Hey guys, on this episode, we talked to Laura Timbrook, a health and wellness coach with a focus on shift workers. We discuss how health and wellness can improve worker productivity and safety and how companies can implement wellness programs going forward. Without further ado, enjoy the show. Hey everybody, this is Manufacturing Unscripted. I'm your host, Matt Rawl. Today I'm joined with Laura Timbrook. She's a health and wellness coach, and we brought her on to talk about health and wellness for the shift working professionals. Hey, Laura, how you doing? Hey, how's it going? So glad to be here. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, this is a little bit different of a topic than I think we're used to, so I'm kind of excited to see what you have to say. Um, some of the questions we've talked about, I think, um, could really shed a light on a lot of things for people. Uh, but being the first-time guest on our show, uh, I'd like to get a l- get to know a little bit more about Laura and kind of how she got to where she is today. Yeah, so I actually, before I even got into the health and wellness field, I used to design software. And so my kind of way of thinking in life is always how can I make things better? And when I started getting into the health and wellness field and into nutrition and health coaching, you know, one of the biggest things I saw is that a lot of people struggled finding, you know, a healthy path that worked for them. A lot of times they figured they had to completely uproot their whole lives to be healthy. And, you know, for me, that just, that didn't sit well. And I started in corporate health and wellness and, you know, it ended up being one part I ended up going into a manufacturing facility and seeing the parts of the corporate wellness part and the manufacturing of our plant workers and our shift working professionals really kind of woke me up and realized that, hey, there is a big gap in this communication. And I think there's a better way that we can connect with our employees, our, you know, our friends, our family, and everybody can be healthy. And it's not such a disparaging where one group has access to health and the other one's struggling through it. Yep. So when you said you're software on the development side, um, actual programming? So I didn't do the programming. Okay. I did the design work. Okay. I was going to say, because it's quite a swing going from, you know, a software, which is, you know, they're normally pretty, uh, they I don't want to throw them under the bus, but lack interpersonal skills to someone who, you know, like you, that's just really very outgoing and 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 is more approaching people. You know, uh, our software group here, you know, they they tend to keep to themselves and 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 are very quiet. So it's it's quite a three uh, well one eighty. You know, type of swing. Oh, absolutely. And you know, it's funny, I think because I was at a small company, you wore so many hats. So I was designing the software, I'm speaking with the development, and then I'm in, you know, they're traveling me travel the world, and I'm speaking at big conferences. So it was kind of it was a mishmash of different activities that would have to take place. Yep. No, that's great. Um, well, I, I, let's just get right into it, because I'm, I'm eager to talk about some of the stuff that we have planned. Um, I guess what inspired you to focus on manufacturing and like other shift working professionals? Yeah. So for me, it was really when I started with that one, it was one paper mill mm-hmm. that really sent me and you had both, I was going in thinking I was talking to the corporate office yep. and I literally walked into the paper mill. There was no head office and I actually had to go through the diesel mechanic shop, which can you imagine me with like my little black corporate dress on and my little rolly bag of all my stuff walking into the diesel mechanic shop. Um, 
quick backstory, I come from a family of mechanics. So okay. walking into a diesel mechanic shop was kind of second nature to me. Yeah. But, you know, when I got there and I was sit setting up and, you know, the corporate employees were coming in and the diesel mechanics and the plant production, you know, having those conversations with them, it was very different. You know, and I kept hearing over and over again, oh, I'm not a corporate employee or mm -hmm. healthy doesn't work for me. And that's where it was like, well, wait a second. You know, I'm talking to somebody that, you know, seems like my brother, my father mm -hmm. and hearing the the thought process that healthy doesn't work for me. That's where I was like, nope, someone's going to focus on you guys and I'm going to do it. No, that's great. I think I think I think it's very true, though. I mean, it's it's when you think of, you know, the health and wellness, you know, unfortunately, you know, the, the lower end of the totem pole doesn't necessarily always get the spotlight. And, and, you know, that's something that we really, with this podcast, you know, and part of our intro is in our, our teaser was, is we want to make sure the podcast covers, you know, from the ground level all the way to the top, you know, and we, we don't want to focus on any one group and we want to make sure everyone feels included. And, um, and we've talked about it, you know, when I was trying to do some health and wellness stuff with my team, you know, and we've we've had a couple other people give examples um, of things they've done when I've talked to them about it. And and one in particular um, said when he approached a gentleman, you know, kind of on the lower end about, you know, health and wellness, the guy almost started tearing up because he's like, you know, in 40 years, no one's asked me, you know, what would make my life better? You know, and so... Uh a hundred percent. And, you know, one of the things I found is um, a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to go and talk to toll booth workers yep. about their health and wellness. And it was very similar. You would have them kind of tear up and it was almost like, you know, I didn't, they didn't think their employer cared. Mm -hmm. And here I am taking, you know, time and their employer is paying me to come sit with them and talk about their health and wellness needs. So it's, it definitely makes a huge impact to the employees that I don't think all times the employers acknowledge. Yep. And let, let's kind of elaborate a little bit more just because I want to make sure everyone understands, you know, uh, one kind of what is health and wellness, like in your opinion, and then how does, how do you differentiate like the shift worker health and wellness from maybe a nine to five, like white collar position? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think a lot of times we think of health and wellness as our sleep, our nutrition and our exercise. But really, when I think about that, that's like some of the keys that we're always thinking about when we think about health and wellness. But really, when we look at health and wellness as a whole, this is our stress, this is our relationships, mm -hmm. this is understanding our purpose. And it's interesting, because when you talk to a lot of your shift working professionals, they know their purpose. It is pretty clear. Mm -hmm. My diesel mechanics know this is what I love. This is what I'm good at. This is what I'm made to do. And, you know, it's interesting because you don't always see that in that nine to five, you know, they're struggling. Everyone's trying to get to the top. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes when you talk to your shift working professionals, nurses, doctors, surgeons, airline pilots, stewardesses, yep that's their passion. They love yep. to travel, work on vehicles, you know, so that's, that's an interesting perspective. One of the differences is when we talk about health and wellness and why it matters so much between our nine to five workforce and our shift working professional is as a health and wellness professional, we will go in and we could talk about something simple like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Mm -hmm. Most nine to five people, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, they get. 
But when I was talking to one of my employees the one time and I was telling them about breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and he kind of got this blank look on his face. And he's like, I have to ask you a question. He works third shift. His first meal of the day is dinner with the family. Yep. Is that breakfast or dinner for him? (laughs) Yeah. And it just blew my mind because it was like, it was such a simple question. And not once did that ever occur to me that that actually might even be a question. Right. So a lot of times now when I talk with shift working professionals, I don't use the terms breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I'll use the terms of a small meal, a mid-sized meal, and a larger meal. Yep. And then we can structure that around their daily activities and depending on what shifts they work, what kinds of shifts Mm -hmm. and things like that. So the conversation has to be much more crafted to the certain person or the mm-hmm. per, or the organization you're talking to and i think that's really that bridged gap between you know them being able to effectively yep. implement something because a lot of times you know someone telling them to go to sleep at 10 p.m. and you're a third shift worker i mean that doesn't no, mean anything yeah, to them i uh so my my wife's a nurse and she was third shift for a while and um my family loves to get together and have dinners, and, you know, and we found a lot of times just on the weekend when we we would go over there during the day or something, she'd just fall asleep a lot, right? Because it's, it's her body is adjusted to being asleep at this time. And so, you know, we would always have that conversation about just quality of life, right, outside of work, you know, and being able to see your family and stuff. And, and you know, luckily, fortunately for us now, she's, you know, second shift, so it's a little bit easier to manage, but... I remember trying to transition her always from a night shift to the next day, hey, you can't go to sleep because we got to go to a birthday party. You know, and I knew it was always hard for her. Absolutely. And, you know, for those that really have to work Mm -hmm. third shifts or maybe that is really the shift that they enjoy, Mm -hmm. you know, that's where we talk about a little bit more when you're talking with your families. Instead of doing something at 2 o'clock, can you do something more at 5 o'clock or 7 o'clock? And shifting that around a little bit because yeah you want you want to foster those good relationships and i think a lot of times our night shift working professionals feel like that's where it suffers yep. is that they lose those relationships and they feel like they have to change where some you know i know so many shift workers i've worked with they actually really love the third shift it's mm-hmm. kind of where they feel they feel like they really fit in it mm-hmm. it helps them um, so, you know, we want to foster that because if that's what you love, that's what we want you to do. You also get, typically get that nice third shift bonus and stuff like that too. That I know drove a lot of people, especially as far as I know, like the nurses and stuff, that was always the, you know, people's like, I just want the money, you know? So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a big trade off and, and I'm a big proponent of you have your work life and then you have your home life and, and there's a good balance and that together equals just your quality of life. And um, and so I think it's good that we do differentiate because, you know, I myself am more of a white-collar worker. You know, I, I'm, I'm fortunate enough that, you know, my work life is pretty consistent with everyone else's. You know, I, I have time to spend with my daughter. I have time, you know, to spend with my family. You know, my wife, when she is home, you know, it's usually easy because our schedule, my schedule is pretty routine and, and pretty normal for society, you know, Mm. and so, um, but so we identify health and wellness and then you've, you have kind of input on 
how you can turn that into productivity and, and safety. And so can you talk a little I, bit about that? Absolutely. You know, when we think about just how you feel, if you're not feeling good, whether you're sick or you're suffering from something going on, when you get to the job, mm-hmm. you're not going to be working at your highest performance level. You're not, whether it's something physical that's going on, something mental that's going on. I've heard a lot, especially through the last two years that, you know, the I've had managers reach out and said that the workforce, they just aren't there mentally. Yeah. Like what can they do to inspire them a little bit more? So we know those things affect productivity. Now, when we look at statistics, here's where it gets a little bit interesting. Mm-hmm. So there is a great book called Why We Sleep that is written by Dr. Ma- Doc- Dr. Matthew Walker. Mm-hmm. And it really outlines a study that was done where it showed if you have somebody that sleeps for six hours a night for 11 days, their productivity level is as someone didn't sleep for 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Now, that's amazing because when we look at our shift working professionals and we look at how often they sleep, keeping in mind that a shift working professional usually sleeps two to four hours less than the average person. Mm-hmm. And now they might be driving forklifts, operating heavy machinery, yep. um, doing really important tasks, nurse, uh, nurses. Yep. I mean, you go through OSHA's website and it talks over and over again about the importance of sleep. Yep. So just in those little bits that we see, mm-hmm. there's huge impacts to our productivity and safety. Yep. And then now if we look at you know, sleep is just one area. If we look at nutrition and blood sugar stabilities, I know a lot of my shift working professionals, they're not eating three meals a day. Some of them are only eating one meal a day. Now we have blood sugar issues. A lot of them have high A1C levels. Mm -hmm. So we see all this and this is going to affect their thought process. We know low blood sugar will affect brain fog and clarity of thinking. So it's things like that, that we really want to make sure we're fostering a, I like to call it a wellness culture that we're taking the times. And, you know, one of the biggest things is when we deal with um, production lines, you know, a lot of them have very limited lunch times, usually 30 minutes. And, you know, a lot of times the area where they have lunch is is not the area they are working. They might have to go to a separate building. And a lot of those people also have to get, you know, safety equipment off or maybe taking boots off. So all of that comes into play. I had a guy one time that he wasn't eating Mm -hmm. and we were trying to figure out why are you not, you're eating one meal a day and it's like granola bars at the end of the day. And um, we ended up finding that for his time, and he had limited mobility issues for his his time to unlace nine hole boots, get his uh, coveralls off, get to the lunchroom, heat up lunch, which now you're on a shift. So there's yep. like 10 other people in there trying to heat up their lunch, get back. It was not physically possible to have lunch in 30 minutes. Yep. So it's things like that. It's having those conversations because I'll be honest with you know your listeners, your employees are not going to tell you right. that this is an issue. And it's just going to keep the ball rolling. You need to have these conversations with your employees. And, you know, I think bringing in that health and wellness professionals in allows that gap to be bridged. Yeah, because I think sometimes just identifying something like that, right, it's, hey, maybe we buy four more microwaves. You know, it's it's a small it's a small price, you know, for for someone to be able to eat their lunch, you know, or Mm -hmm. 
or hey, maybe we look at adding another lunch area that's a little bit closer to this side of the building. You know, so and 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 I don't know of many companies. I'm sure I'm sure there's some, but I don't know many that would say, hey, for 500 bucks in microwaves, you can increase your productivity by 10. percent You know. Absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of them don't realize it's an issue. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing. It's it's bridging that gap that there is an issue because I'll tell you a lot of the the people that I go into, they think that their guys are just eating too much or they're women. Mm-hmm. And ninety nine percent of the time it's the exact opposite. Yep. And and maybe we're we're getting a little ahead here in our topics, but I guess in terms of that, kind of that feedback, you know, what what are you seeing some companies do to kind of maybe outside of a health and wellness coach that are encouraging that type of feedback from, from, you know, the shift workers. Yeah. So I think a lot of it is just acknowledging that there might be something Mm -hmm. asking your employees what they want, Mm -hmm. what they feel that they need. It's about, you know, as soon as we start bringing in that wellness culture and start fostering more of a healthy um, level of employees Mm -hmm. The, the information comes along a little bit easier. Yep. You know, it's, it, you know, the biggest issue we have is do they feel their job is safe? Yeah. And, you know, this kind of opens a whole new topic. Yeah. Because, you know, when you're working a physical type job and you're starting to see those numbers, maybe your blood sugar is too high or maybe your weight you isn't where you yeah. would like it to be. How is that data going to be? taken by your employer. Are you right. going to lose a job? Are they going to take you off a shift? Are they going to mm-hmm. take you off a job? And the biggest thing is, is, you know, letting the employer employees know that their employers cannot have this information. Yes. So there is a confidentiality that they need to understand that is there. Yep. Um, and once they're safe, then, you know, they start divulging a little bit more and opening up. So it's it's really about fostering that communication and learning how to have that conversation. Yep. No, that's that's good. Like I said, it's it's one of those things where I definitely could see where it can be very touchy and 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 even on both sides, right? Because even from the employer side is like, hey, you know, how can I get you guys to open up? Like I'm not I'm it's not a trick. I really want to know, you know, but it's also it takes the employees to feel comfortable. Um, well, I guess, you know, saying all that, where do you see employee wellness going, you know, as we look towards the future and how important is it? It's ridiculously important. Mm -hmm. And I'm not just saying that as a health coach, but I think it really is because even if we're looking at it from the end of employee retention, we know that if our employees feel valued, Mm -hmm. they are more likely to stay, you know, and I know from working at hundreds of offices, you know, when we first start implementing employee wellness, it doesn't, it doesn't go well. Um, it takes time to foster that relationship. And, but in the end, if you are continuously fostering that relationship and your employees know that as an employer, you are, you got skin in the game. Yep. Like you're here for the long haul. You're not here to make Aetna happy and to check yep. a box and said, I offered a health fair. Yeah. And I think that's one of the biggest things because when we see employee wellness, you know, what we see in employee wellness in corporate and how big it has expanded and, 
you know, some of the great things that are happening, you know, some of them are going in and putting in gyms and yep. whole kitchens and, mm -hmm. you know, really on the fancy end of it. Yep. But really what really matters is the little things we do. Yep. It's having that conversation with your management and having that management build that relationship that, you know, if you see an employee struggling, mm -hmm. maybe it's mentally, maybe it's physically, maybe you're noticing mobility is an issue having that conversation and letting them know, Hey, do you know, you know, your employee healthcare program offers massage therapy. A lot of people don't even know this is even yep. an option yep. that they can do this, but having that conversation. And of course, always knowing your numbers are really important. And I think now that we're coming into this weird, you know, hybrid environment where some employees are remote and some employees are in, yep. I think we're really going to see health and wellness transformed to the digital world. Yep. You know, we have all kinds of watches. Yep. Um, I've been doing a lot of remote health coaching for some of my employers. I've even had um, doctors doing remote sessions where they have open times where employees can come see doctors mm -hmm. remotely. So I think it's going to be a lot more remote, um, a lot of telehealth. I really see telehealth coming yep. through. Um, so I think that's really going to be the future of employee wellness. And I really hope that we start really utilizing that wellness culture to help boost yep. productivity, employee retention, um, because I think that's just going to really help improve our employees and yeah. Well, I got I got two things on mm -hmm. on that. Was one for those who have listened to the podcast. You know, I I think she makes a great point. You know, we've talked about several times that, you know, while you know we have things like Industry 4.0 and all these technology is 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 just expanding beyond a a pace that we ever expected. It's pretty much an agreement that the success the success of a company is really based off the people. You know, and and making sure that they're capable and that they have the tools they need to kind of help the company grow. So I think it's important as we look towards the future of, you know, the wellness of employees that, you know, we want to grow technology. We want to do all this, but really it's the people that help you run your company, right? That, that produce the product that are really going to help you grow. You know, technology can only take you so far, you know, if you don't have someone there to operate it or, someone there to program it or, or do these odds and ends things for you. Um, you know, I, I don't want to get stuck in a trap and say, you know, a company can't run with one person and a thousand robots because I don't want anyone to prove me wrong. But in reality, I mean, it's just, it, we're just not there yet too. So you need people, you want people to work for you. So taking your employee base, you know, wellness serious, I think is a, is a great way to retain people. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, I have a cool story that goes yep. along with that. So I was at a uh, company one time and, you know, for three years, every, mm -hmm. they actually did health uh, programs every month. Mm -hmm. And when I first met this one woman, um, she was drinking like four Mountain Dews a day, not working out, hated her job. It was just, she was miserable and she was counting the days till she could retire. Yep. You know, fast forward this right before COVID, she is now working out. She's kickboxing yep. every week. She's down to one diet Mountain Dew a day. Mm -hmm. And she even had her daughter come join the company and she delayed her retirement. Yeah. Because she felt like her employer was, you know, valuing her. Yep. And she, she, you know, she was younger and mm -hmm. she was like, you know what? I don't have to leave yet. 
And I think that really speaks to when you put your employees first and you value them and you take an active role in them, what that means for your bottom line, exactly what you're saying. Yeah. And, and, and on top of that, right, you're, we're, a lot of us are talking about how to replace that skilled labor, like those skilled individuals, the ones that have been just doing it for 40 years because they're at a point where like, you know, I'm out, like I, I want out. But just that perfect example, you know, if you, if you pay attention to them, you know, you might entice them to stay a bit longer, you know, and, and help you through the, the difficult time that we're in. And, and so that's just another, you know, tool, right. To kind of keep your skilled labor intact as you build up the new incoming people. Absolutely. And you know, the interesting thing is when I worked in corporate Mm -hmm. health and wellness, I would have the employees tell me they're telling their younger generation, go work work with your hands. Don't sit in an office. You don't want to be stressed out, you know, but yet when I go to the manufacturing side of it, they're saying the exact same yep. thing to their kids yep. in reverse. Go sit in an office. You don't want to break your body down. Yep. And I think we can do what we love to right. do. And we can both be healthy if we have an organization that allows us to foster that. And I think that's the biggest takeaway here is as an employee or as an employer, you're yeah. never going to make your employees healthy. What you want to do is create that environment that helps to foster healthy employees. Yeah. My, my dad is a big, you know, uh, he's an iron worker and he, you know, he'll say, you know, I do this so you don't have to, you know, type guy. And, and, uh, and so when we, you know, I tell him what, what I do and he's just like, oh, so nice. <laughs> so it's like, you never had to work a day out in the rain or in the snow. And I was like, I mean, I walk from my truck to the building. Sure. So, um, but yeah, no, I, it's totally in, in, but yeah, I mean, as of right now, you know, I, I can definitely see myself of, you know, encouraging kids as they come in to, as interns and say, look, you know, I want to make sure you're getting more hands-on stuff too. You know, um, it, there's a little bit of both. Um, so I think we kind of touched on it, but I just want to make sure we cover it. Cause maybe there's something more to it, you know, are, are there things that companies can implement now that can kind of help set them up for making sure they're, they got employee wellness kind of at the forefront? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, you know, from the HR department, yep. talking with your insurance company, seeing mm-hmm. what's available, seeing what kind of wellness dollars you have, that's really important. But I think even as our leadership, yep. whether you're upper management, middle management, supervisor, yep. you know, you can take an active role in your employees and just checking in with them, ask them how they're doing. If they're doing a good job, telling them they're doing mm-hmm. a good job. This all fosters that feeling. I mean, we all know, we all have an experience of a you know, a manager giving us a pat on the back saying, you know what, you really did a good job. Yep. That feeling of gratitude, of appreciation, it just builds that relationship. You know, mm-hmm. not all the time do we have to dive into employee wellnesses as putting in gyms or, you know, big, large expenses. Sometimes it's just building that foundation and bringing those health insurance companies in and, you know, hiring somebody like myself to come, I don't know, maybe even just make smoothies for the day, you know, and just have those conversations. And if you're not comfortable having those conversations, having a professional come in that can have those conversations. And I know a lot of times I've gone into organizations where I'm just bringing snacks 
but really what I'm doing is I'm having those conversations with their employee. What does your blood sugar look like? How are you yep. feeling? What are your health goals? And having that conversation so that the employer knows what they should focus on implementing next. Yeah. And I think that, you know, my final question was going to effectiveness. And I think, I think that kind of sums it up as well as just, you know, it doesn't take much to be effective. You know, it just takes, you know, communication really. Right. You know, and just talking to your employees and, and I think organically, right. The, the wellness program will kind of shape itself as you start to talk to different employees and see what they want. And then, you know, maybe five of them said, Hey, it'd be nice if we had this. And then, you know, okay, I'm starting to see trends. And I think, you know, you let it build that way. Oh, absolutely. We had an organization that they had no idea. They had a bunch of soccer players mm -hmm. uh, in their organization and their thing was, we'd love a soccer team. Yeah. So we ended up giving that to the organization being like, you know, you, they just want a soccer team. Can <laughs> yeah. you like put together a soccer team? And they ended up going to a couple of their competitors and asking them to put soccer teams together. And yeah. now they have this little, you know, community and you know, it's simple things like that. I mean, what did it cost the company? Uh, some $2, t shirts dollars in yeah. jerseys. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. I uh I totally agree. Um well, before we wrap things up, I like to always open it up. Uh is there anything that you want to discuss that maybe I missed or um you'd like to elaborate more on? No, I think you did a great job and I really just want to thank you for this opportunity. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important that, you know, our people know that there's professionals out there that are willing to talk to the employees and understanding that, you know, it's so important to have the right conversations with the right people, yeah. because a lot of times, you know, we're having, we're bringing in health and wellness and it's not reaching the employees that really need it. And yeah. that's what we want to focus on. Yeah. And of course, anyone listening, if you like what you hear, we'll definitely have all Laura's information in our show notes on how to get a hold of her and stuff like that. Uh, from the sounds of, I definitely encourage you to try to bring her in. It sounds like she's definitely got the employees at heart and, uh, is doing everything she can to make, make their lives just better. Um, so Laura, thank you so much for being on the show and thank everybody for listening until next time. This podcast was brought to you by Promise Incorporated, hosted by Matthew Rawl, produced by myself, Lauren Rawl, mixed and edited by Ben Parsons. Please make sure to subscribe and rate this podcast. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at podcast at promiseinc.com.